All right, everybody, welcome in week 11, the Dream Preview, pregame.com's Dream Preview, college football edition. I am A.J. Hoffman. He is Taylor McCard. Taylor, how you doing, my man? Good. I am good. This is a good weekend for us. Got some winners out there, so feeling good going into week 11. Anytime we both hit our best bet, that's a good, sh- that's a good week for the show. I'll, I'll take that every time. So uh, you, you are gaining some ground on me, which is, I, I mean, listen, I, I'm cheering for the show. I'm cheering for me first, but the show just after that. <laughs> so I, I want you, I'd rather you do well on the weeks that I don't do all that well. So you gaining ground isn't a bad thing. I'm just glad that I hit my three star. I'd be in trouble by now. Uh, all right, let's get into, well, let's start with the playoff discussion. The, the playoffs, we, we actually are recording this. Uh, it is 6.45 Pacific, 8.45 where Taylor's at because we had to wait for the Kansas-Michigan State game to finish, which Michigan State somehow thought they had a chance to win that down 15 with two minutes left and made the, the game last like three hours. But we get the playoff rankings and not a lot of change, to be honest. I, I mean, we saw Wake Forest drop out, no surprise. Oklahoma State takes their spot in the top 10. A bunch of teams move up one spot. The one team in the top 10 well, that is still in the top 10 that lost is Michigan State. And I already know you're going to be salty about this. Well, I'll start with just holistically, like taking a 30,000-foot a, a view at this thing. Much – I don't have a hot take like I did last week. I mean, I was I – was, pretty frustrated with the first round of of the rankings for this week like you mentioned for most schools it was just an opportunity to move up and if you go back and look at the schedule last weekend nobody really came out and took that you know number two spot or really solidified uh you know Alabama pretty underwhelming against LSU I think LSU healthy in that game probably wins um I think they you know even still fairly banged up, had an opportunity to win that game. Uh, Oregon, Ohio State, you know, moving up one spot, Cincinnati moving up behind them. OU didn't play. They stay put. Best thing that could have happened. Right. And then (laughs) Notre Dame, Oklahoma State kind of round out the schools that I think, once you get to Oklahoma State, that's the last school that I think has a legitimate shot at the college football playoff. And I think, albeit, it's a a long shot. Well, your Uh, your list is longer than mine. Well, I'm, I'm pure. I'm purely saying that because if they were to win out and and uh, beat OU and they'd really have to do it twice and win the Big Twelve and have some help ahead, of, you know, in front of them, I think there's a chance, albeit a small one. I think there's a chance that they would get in. I don't think it'll happen, but beyond that, that's where my my list falls off. I think as soon as you get to the two lost teams, they have no chance of getting in. Um, for Michigan and Michigan State, I understand what you saw some of the interviews immediately after the rankings came out. And I understand the thought process behind you know, going into the game against Michigan State. Statistically speaking, you go across almost every metric. Michigan is the better team. But I, what I struggle with and what, you know, if you just take uh, listen to some of the banter that was on the, the playoff committee show, or sorry, on the, the playoff show on ESPN, if you look at the initial reaction on Twitter, you play these games for a reason. They just had a head-to-head matchup, and Michigan State won. And to me, I think you have to have them ahead of Michigan. Um, I also think there's an opportunity for Michigan later on this year to beat Ohio State and vault Michigan State again. So I don't like them being ahead of the Spartans. I understand the reasoning. I just don't agree with it. I'll say this. One thing that makes should make everybody feel a little bit better about that is – the Big Ten officials basically coming out and saying, yeah, we kind of fucked Michigan in that game. They should have won. Like, that's that's not a great look when you're talking about a team like trying to make the playoffs in their own conference. It's like, yeah, there were some bad calls in that game. That, that That's that's not what should have happened. I mean, does that make you feel any better about it? Somewhat. But, again, Michigan State, the way that they came back in that game, albeit aided uh, – by the officials, like you mentioned, you played the game, you went there, you blew a lead, you blew a big lead, and you lost to a team that ran rough shot over you 
for really three quarters of that game. Um, I just have a hard time because you have the head to head. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Like you, you played, you lost, you both have one loss. You should be behind them. Oh, and by the way, the team that Michigan State lost to that throughout the week, it was, oh, I can't believe they lost to an unranked Purdue. Well, guess what? Purdue's the number 19 team in the country now. So all of a sudden, with Purdue beating Iowa early in the year and then that win over Michigan State, all of a sudden that doesn't become that bad of a loss. So I don't know. I, I Again, I'll say it again. I understand the argument on both sides, but I feel very strongly about it's the same reason I said I, I wanted to have Oregon ahead of Ohio State, regardless of Oregon's, you know, that loss to Stanford looks worse and worse, especially after Stanford got blown out, you know, by 50 on Friday night last week. Without their quarterback, albeit. Without their quarterback, but even still, it, it would, it, it could, that game could have been worse. Um, even with that loss, to Stanford by Oregon, I still wanted them ahead of Ohio State, and I think the committee got that right. Uh, this one's a head-scratcher because they went against that metric. But, again, they talked about in the wrap-up and in the interviews afterwards when, when the rankings came out that they clearly looked at – you go down the list and go across the board in really almost every major statistical category, and Michigan looks like the better team. Um, Michigan but, is the better team. Let, right. Let's just well, say what it is. Yeah, but they – this is the part, if you go by power rankings and you go by what team should be better, I think that's where it frustrates me because we have, you know, for some of these teams that aren't in the same conferences, I think that's the only way you can measure these teams up. But if you've played and you lost and you both have one loss, I think you have to be behind the other team. I, it's That's how I feel about it, but um, the committee's you know, sees it other way. I guess, I guess I just can't look at it as a black and white thing. I think wins and losses are created differently. I, I mean, I, I think if you just say, well, that's a win, that's a loss, it, that's it's a simple way of doing it. But I don't think you can look at, you know, Oregon losing to Stanford in a very, very fluky way the same as you can look at Michigan State getting pounded by Purdue and I pounded like that was a non-competitive game I I think that that's that like the way you win the way you lose those should all be taken into account uh I mean that's what we keep talking about with style points right when it's when there's decisions to be made when it's close style points matter and Michigan State going out and just getting hammered by a, a Purdue team that I mean let's they're a giant killer they they've beat some teams that that we certainly didn't expect them to beat but does anybody think this Purdue team is is actually really good? I, I don't think anybody does. And that game, like I said, that game just wasn't close. Yeah, I, I hear everything you're saying. Um, I don't have really another counter other than to me. It, it is important to me if you have gone head to head and you have played. That's why upsets matter. Um, that's why in college football you talk about how valuable the regular season is. Well, if you want to live by that, then then you've got to win those games because otherwise, you know, what are we doing? I mean, if, if Michigan loses another game, do we say, well, they their power rankings they should be better than they are? They have two losses now. Well, no, then they then they'd fall in the rankings. So, um, I, I continue to struggle with this notion that after you've lost a game head head to head versus somebody, that after the fact you would say, well, you know, the better team did not win that game, so we'll actually rank them ahead of the other team. Yeah, I I'll, I will say I what I don't like is the inconsistency because I mean, if we are going as simple as that, then then Ohio State should be ranked ahead of Oregon, or or Michigan State should be ranked ahead of of Michigan, one or the other. Um, but I, I like honestly the thing that kind of bothers me the most in this is Oklahoma still at eight. Like Oklahoma is not ahead of Michigan State. They're not ahead of Michigan. They're not ahead of Cincinnati. Like by no metric has Cincinnati played a tougher schedule than Oklahoma. What is this just like the committee is like, okay, we've put Oklahoma in here several times. They do the same thing. They're the four seed. They get blown out. We, we, no, we're I think we're not dealing with it. I think it's purely the win over Notre Dame and then Notre Dame keeps winning. Um, I I think if they don't have that win, or if Notre Dame is a, a two or three loss team, they're they're probably not where they are. OU's strength of schedule is is in, well into the bottom half of the country. It's in the top uh, one hundred, though. Unlike Cincinnati, I can tell you that. Right, agreed. But 
that win over Notre Dame has become. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna put their whole seal uh, ceiling. They're gonna put their whole season on the win <laughs> over Notre Dame. That's all it is. And and then I, I would say Houston because Houston's playing pretty good football. Houston's going to beat Cincinnati. Houston's Write it not down. ranked, and it doesn't. You think you think Houston? Houston will beat, beat if they if they get to the championship game. Houston's beating Cincinnati. Write that down right now. They they're better. This Cincinnati team is not. They're not as good as the team last year. They're, they're like the last 2020 Cincinnati would probably be a six point favorite over 2021 Cincinnati. This is not a good team, and you, we've talked about this the last three weeks. Well, Cincinnati, they got to get some style points here, and then they keep not getting style points. Like they're yeah. this week was really disturbing. Yeah, the we, loss to to Tulsa for anybody that just looked at the box score. Go back and just watch the last five minutes of that game. Cincinnati does basically everything wrong. They have a fumble trying to just – they're trying to get a yard and run the clock out. They're backed up inside their own two-yard line. They fumble the snap. Desmond Ritter fumbles it. Tulsa recovers. Tulsa has an opportunity to score and then get the two-point conversion to tie the game. And they fumble the ball and give it back to Cincinnati and ultimately lose. But I hear you. The, the wins last three weeks – Navy by seven, who is not a very good team this year. Tulane, they pull away late. And then this past week against Tulsa, in conference, they've, they've really fallen flat. And you need – those style points matter. It's been interesting to see them regress really from the UCF game. I mean, the last three weeks for them, they have not looked very strong. Next week playing another not a very good team in USF – and then the SMU, you know, they had so much put into the, the game against SMU coming up. SMU coming off back-to-back losses. They really need Houston to continue to win and then win against them convincingly in the conference championship. Um, the more that this plays out, unless they start to really win convincingly over their last three in the regular season, and then, again, assuming this is Houston in the, in the conference championship, it's not a playoff team. And I've gone to bat for Cincinnati a number of times, but – if you tell me right now that Cincinnati is going to beat Michigan, I, I don't. I just don't think there's any way. I don't think they beat Oklahoma. Um, they don't beat I Oklahoma don't think, State. They, 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 I was going to say I don't think they beat Oklahoma State. I, I'm, I'm not sure that they would get a, a two in front of their box score against Oklahoma State. With, I mean, um, and I know how important head to head is to you, but if I if I said put your money on a neutral Cincinnati against Notre Dame, who are you betting on today? I'm still taking Cincinnati. Not me. Uh, because- <laughs> Notre Dame's looked better since that game. Notre, like Notre Dame's actually got a pulse. Cincinnati's sleepwalking. They are sleepwalking, and I do think there is something to be said. And I don't know how you. This is uh, you know really a mark of a mature team is when you get in if you're playing at as high a level as Cincinnati has been for the past couple seasons, and then you get into this stretch of games where you look at it and say. Man, is it is it hard for you to get up for Navy and Tulane and Tulsa? Well, that's who you got in your conference. And if you want any prayer at getting in the Final Four, you need to be beating these teams by three scores. Yeah, you and may want to start giving up. It might right. be the time. Yeah, now now would be the time to do it against USF. Uh, maybe this is their get right game where they hit the last three weeks. Um, I also think it's going to get more and more difficult. We've talked about this with Oklahoma. It's going to be more and more difficult for them to hold off teams like uh, Oklahoma and, and really even Michigan. If Michigan were to somehow, if they go beat Ohio State, these are going to be teams that will will vault Cincinnati. There's just no way they can hold them off if they continue to win. The, what There is still a world out there where Cincinnati, if you have chaos in the last three weeks of the regular season and you get Oklahoma loses a couple and one in the regular season and then were to lose the Big 12 championship, if you have – Ohio State were to lose another one. There's a ch- there's still a chance that they stay, or they, not that they stay, that they get into the top four. But they're going to need a lot of help, and they've also got to start playing better. I, I'm going on record. This is the list of teams that still have a chance to make the playoff. Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma. End list. Michigan State, Like I mean, I guess, I guess technically Michigan State. Michigan State's not – they're not winning out. They're not good. So I, I'm, I've shortened my list that was at eight a week ago, and I, I'm down to I'm down to six, seven teams. I, I mean, it's just I think I think Alabama may be our first two loss team that gets in. I it think would this not may shock be the first, me. I think this is the first year that we I would go on record and say that that if they win out, they win the Iron Bowl, 
and they lose close to Georgia because of we talked about you know that number two really two three and four nobody's taken hold of those spots a lot of teams behind Georgia are it, I just don't think there's that many good teams this year well I he, mean, here's where you're going to be salty though because if if Alabama's a two loss Alabama team wouldn't when you say a, a Texas A&M team should be in ahead of them uh, normally yes but A&M their two losses when they happened against the teams that they lost to, it's going to be really difficult. I understand your point. You're using my point against me, but for Alabama to win out through the regular season and then we're assuming they play Georgia close, if you both have two losses, I think it's different if it's just the one and there's a head-to-head, but if you both have an additional loss, then you've got to measure, okay, we're, we're comparing – a loss to get against Arkansas at home against Mississippi State to at A&M in a night game at Kyle Field and then Georgia in the SEC championship. I think that second loss matters quite a bit. Um, if it's just one loss, then, yeah, I'm going to stand by. If you've got one loss and it's a head-to-head, that other team should be given the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I do, I do think Alabama has a chance to be the first team with two losses to get in. Give me your best your best guess at what the top four are going to be at the end of the season. Uh, I would go Georgia, Oregon, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. That's my four, I, exactly. I think Oregon, uh, they've got a big one coming up going to Utah. I think that's a it's a tough place to play no matter what. That's a big one. If they get past that one, I think they probably get in. Um, I think OU – going through the rest of the Big 12 slate. They've had Oklahoma State's number for basically forever. Uh, I think they get through the regular season, and if they do that, I think they'll they'll win out of the Big 12 as well. They get in. And Ohio State's playing better, and I think uh, Michigan, similar to what I was talking about with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, until proven otherwise, I don't trust Michigan uh, so, I, yeah, I think that would be my final four. I think Michigan's good. I, I just think that Michigan is not on the level of Ohio State. And yeah. that that's not – I don't think that's going to change. So, um, I, 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 I guess we agree on, on who our final four be. I'll tell you this, and I'm going to recommend this now to our, to our audience. You, if you shop around, you can find Georgia minus 110 to win the national championship right now. And I'm not a big futures player because I don't like having my money tied up all season. So obviously you could have had a better number if you'd started before the season. When I said at the beginning of the season, Georgia's going to win the national championship. I actually said that after the national championship last year. Georgia's going to win it this year. Stupid me. I don't like to bet futures or I'd have a pretty healthy ticket in my pocket. I think minus 110 still has value. Georgia can lose a game and still get in. They're, They're the only team in the country. I think that if they lose a game, they are still safely in. They're, they're, now, there's possibilities for others. Like if, if Alabama loses, like you said, there's, a, there's an outside possibility. I, I don't think if Georgia loses to Alabama, there's, there's not a question that they're, that they're in or out. They're, they're going to be in. Uh, if they lose to Tennessee and win out, Georgia will be in because they'll have another win over Alabama. So th- Georgia's got some real advantages, and whoever they play – Whoever they match up against, they're going to be a touchdown favorite over them. Whether it's Ohio State, like if the, if the playoff started as it stands right now, Georgia would be a seven point favorite over Ohio State, and they might be maybe six over over Alabama, depending on the result of that matchup. And if it's anyone else, it's double digits. So this is a team that's going. They are. If you think they're going to win. Minus one ten has real value at this point because, like the 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 money line on these games, beyond like once once the playoffs get set, it, it's going to be they're gonna it's gonna take a long shot to beat them, and I I just don't see it happen. I th- I just think they're better than everybody. They had a pretty pedestrian performance this last week against Missouri. They won by thirty six points. They didn't cover that game because they kicked a couple field. I guess they felt sorry for them. Kicked field goals inside the five twice. They, I mean, they could have just kept running it up on them. I, I, I just, I think they and they played both quarterbacks. I think they're better than everybody, and I don't really think it's that close. I'm trying not to like overreact with power rankings and and make Georgia like ten points better than everybody, but I kind of think they are. 
Like they don't have a real weakness. All these other teams have a pretty serious weakness. Yeah, it's kind of what I was I starting to say a second ago. You know, we've had years where Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson are all really good teams. And you'll have two, sometimes three, sometimes even a fourth team where you're like, you know, this feels like we may actually get any one of these four teams can win. This year, I just don't think we have that great of play across, you know, really the top eight or ten teams. And even in the top, you know, your, your five or six that we've gotten used to seeing in the playoff, there's such a drop-off from Georgia to everybody else, uh, still giving up six points a game. And I think, you know, look in the crystal ball, similar to what you're saying, I think we look up in, you know, middle of January and look back and say, you know, that was – we blew a lot of hot air for a team that was, you know, goes down as potentially one of the, you know, most dominant defenses ever in college football. Yep. All right, let's get into the uh, the news around college football. Let's start with Nebraska. We've talked about the coach's hot seat and would they fire Scott Frost. Not only did they not fire him, they extend him. What do you, what do you make of this? Yeah, the restructuring, um, they basically did what, they, what Michigan did with Harbaugh, was we're not going to do a buyout. We don't want to go through the coaching search again. And so they laid the blame really at his – some of his position coaches and coordinators uh, cleaned house on a number of, of play call or of uh, coaches on that, on that staff. I I'm torn on this because on the one hand, they're a three win team out of the big 10 West. They cover. They're not, well, they, they, <laughs> they, you're getting, so the flip side of my argument, they play hard and they're close. They are, they're a score away in almost every game. And they very easily it could see a path where we look up next season and they start winning some of those games and all of a sudden it's a it's an eight win you know Nebraska team or it's even a seven win Nebraska team which I think they would be ecstatic with but I could also see it's it's in your culture now and you don't win those games and we look up again and it's a three or four win team next season uh, that loss if, if you go all the way back to week zero, when they had that game against Illinois that they gave away and somehow lost, I think that put them on a trajectory of, of, of doubting themselves all season. And in college especially, it's really tough to win those close games if you haven't had any recent history of doing it. Because as soon as those critical moments happen and you've got any shot at winning, that's when you sort of piss down your leg, so to speak. And you've seen a lot of that from Nebraska. On the my argument for keeping Scott Frost is what we talked about last week. I don't know. There are so many vacancies that are open right now, and some that I think will be coming. Who are you going to go get that is going to make a, a significant impact now? Why not restructure the deal, give him one more season, and if you have the same results next year, you go through the buyout, you get somebody else. But this is going to be a, a terrible market for Nebraska if they were to go try and find a head coach with some of the other vacancies that are going to be available. You may have Florida available soon. You've already got USC. You do not want to be – because Nebraska considers themselves still one of the top jobs in the country. But I don't think – They're not. These head, right. But these, these head coaches do not see it that way. And for that reason, I actually don't hate them keeping him because – you're really just betting on with one more year and we get a different quarterback in, do we start to win these close games and all of a sudden are, you know, are we a bowl team next season? I mean, that's the incremental improvement. They just need to get back to 500 and he'll keep his job, I think. Um, but, you know, if it wasn't Nebraska and it wasn't Scott Frost, I think he'd be fired. But I think it, it, because of the the run that they've been on of not being very good for a while, coupled with it being your – the golden boy coming back home. He was supposed to be the guy. Right. I, I think that is, you know, it's pretty obvious. I think that, you know, that's why he is retaining his job. Let's talk about the new hire for Texas Tech, Joey McGuire. What do you know about him? Yeah, I actually really like this hire. And for people outside of the state of Texas, we talked about this with, with the, you know, the regime that just was fired on the way out with Wells and, how he struggled to connect, it sounded like, with high school coaches in the state of Texas and didn't necessarily get Texas 
Joey McGuire, I would say, is the exact opposite. Won three state championships at the high school level in Cedar Hill and was on that Baylor staff with Matt Rule where Matt Rule moves on and Dave Aranda comes in and his staff, they retain Joey McGuire. And, and a big part of it was because of his ties to the high school coaches in the state of Texas and his ability to recruit. And that is what Texas Tech needs because we've talked about this on here. Texas Tech is not a place that you're going to be able to recruit very easily. It's hard to get kids to go to Lubbock, Texas. If you've never been to Lubbock, Texas, and you have to go there, you'll see why. It's a, it's a, uh, it's actually a kind of pretty nice campus on the at Texas Tech, but the city and, and Lubbock itself, not a lot to write home about. And getting kids from Dallas and Houston, the, the two primary markets that you're recruiting kids from, getting them to come to Lubbock as opposed to staying even at an SMU or certainly a TCU in Dallas is hard to do. Cedar Hill in Dallas had those three state championships. He's going to have those connections. I think this is a, a win for them and fits perfectly with, with who Texas Tech is. And you got to remember, Texas Tech just needs, if you can consistently get them seven or eight wins and have the once every four years where you get them, you know, 10 wins and a and you're, you're in the conversation for the big 12, that's, that's a dream scenario for them. And especially in this new look big 12, that's what they're hoping for. And I, I think he can deliver that. Let's talk about Florida. I mean, you talk about a, a tough loss to stomach. <laughs> I, I think that's about as that this might be rock bottom for Dan Mullen. Yeah. It just seems like, I'm not, I can't really wrap my, my head around how this went sour so fast, but the loss at LSU was a head scratcher, especially at the time, because you felt like Ed O getting fired was coming and they beat Florida and, and LSU still did it anyway. That's how bad they wanted him out. They get drummed by Georgia and everybody gets, you know, their brains beat in by Georgia. And then they go to South Carolina, a, a team that, you know, by their own right, it's gotten smacked around pretty good in the SEC this year. And they just looked like they had quit. They looked like they'd moved on, like they were mentally somewhere else. And that, you talk about when it is appropriate to move on from a coach. There's a huge difference in you're losing games close and your kids are still fighting versus you're in the middle of the season and guys feel like they've moved on. I, I go back to some of the things that he said, his press conferences have been a little bit off. Some of the things that he said going back to, I hated last year when he talked about uh, after the bowl game losing how, you know, after they lost in the SEC championship, that was basically an exhibition and their season was effectively over. I know what he meant that because they had so many opt outs that this was a chance to get young, young guys in, but you can't talk about, you get so few games in college football. You can't talk about any of them that actually count that way. So, would not be surprised that they move on from Dan Mullen because it feels like the the kids and the staff, there's some sort of detachment between all of them, and I'm not sure how they write the ship. They, they get Samford this week, they'll win that one. And then the next two, I mean, there's a chance they win the next three and end up at seven and five, but this last three-game stretch has been really poor in Gainesville. All right, let's get into the uh, let's get into the action. Let's get into this week's games and let's start in the SEC where we were just talking about and let's start with Texas A&M, two and a half point favorites at Ole Miss. What do you think? Yeah, it, you know, I'll go straight to the play. If there was anything that I like on this, uh, I think it would be the under. And I think um, A&M and their ability to get after the quarterback, you saw that against Bo Nix and some of their pressure packages where they showed one way and then either bluffed out of it or came from a different direction. I think they're going to be pretty effective at getting after Matt Corral. And then A&M's offense, the, the more this season plays out, the more I think Zach Calzada's performance against a or against Alabama is kind of a flash in the pan. I'm not sure if, if he gets back to that level at any point this season. Um, so that's the side. It didn't matter last like. week, though. I mean, they, they, like, no, it didn't Auburn at all. Just, their defense was so good was, on D. Their defense was unbelievable. And Bo Nix had zero time. And if you noticed, there was no separation. Any to anything in the downfield passing game, very little separation. It's just a, it's a really good college football defense. I mean, A&M does the little things well. They tackle well. They don't have too many MAs. I mean, they're in the right spots. It's a, it's a very good college defense. And for that reason, I think A&M is the right side. 
Um, I think they probably win this game. The only reason I wouldn't touch the the two and a half here is in the off chance that they just score so infrequently that Matt Corral, Ole Miss will likely get theirs, especially playing at home. We've talked about how good he is at home versus on the road. Uh, that's the only reason I would stay away from one side on that two and a half. But the under, I, I really like in this game at 55 and a half. It just feels like two teams that are kind of headed in opposite directions right now. Like A&M's just dominated the last month, starting with that win against Bama, then dominating Auburn. Like, Ole Miss started hot, and then things have kind of gotten ugly, Again, particularly against those same two teams that we're talking about against Alabama and Auburn. So both of those are ugly. And then it's it's been a – I don't know. I, I, I'm with you. Like the Calzada thing, at some point he's going to have to win a game for them. And I just don't know that he can. It's it's concerning, certainly. Uh, I'll say this: this is A and M's second road game this year, which is crazy. The first one was against Missouri, which that shouldn't even count. And Ole Miss hasn't lost at home. Matt Corral's historically played better at home. And Ole Miss, while their offense has not been as good lately, their defense has been playing very well and against good offenses: Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, Liberty all offenses that are better than Texas A&M's. If I got a three, and it looks like it may go that way, I might look at Ole Miss, uh, but I'll wait for that before I make a decision. I do have a strong play on the total, which we'll discuss later in the podcast. All right, let's move to the next game with another team that we've been talking about. And it's funny, this game, like all of these are kind of about motivation. Michigan-Penn State at a pick is very interesting to me, and I'll start on this one. With the exception of the Michigan State game, like they, Michigan loves to be a bully. They get a lead, and they like to ride on you. And they did it again last week against, a, a let's just face it, an overmatched Indiana team, a bad Indiana team. As long as they're not chasing, this offense works. If teams know they have to pass, then McNamara's flaws become very evident. And Penn State's offense is probably worse than Michigan's, believe it or not, because they can't run the ball effectively ever. And it's not as big of a deal when Clifford is healthy and clicking, but when's the last time that was the case? When's the last time Clifford, you're like, oh, yeah, this is him. This is this is the real guy. Uh, Michigan still has a lot to play for. A win here basically makes the Ohio State game the de facto Big Ten East title eliminator assuming Michigan State loses again, and spoiler alert, they will. Whereas Penn State, all their real goals were kind of squashed when they lost Clifford and subsequently lost to Iowa. Uh, it just feels like Michigan has more to play for. The I, I think the line is is kind of a, like, I, I think Pickham is probably a fair number, but it, it feels like Michigan just has more to play for right now. Yeah, I really like Michigan in this game. And, and some of the reasons you laid out, but I also, I don't think Clifford's healthy. He doesn't look right. I go If you go back to, let's just go back through their last four games. All right, they have the disaster against Iowa. Clifford gets hurt. They look completely inept on offense. Then they play Illinois, which a lot made out of Clifford trying to play in that game, the nine overtime game. Play pretty a pretty good effort, pretty good game against Ohio State at Ohio State. But then they go to Maryland. And if you watch that game, that game was 14 to six at the end of the third quarter. And I, it, again, I go back to Clifford is their whole offense. They're playing a Michigan defense that is the number eight passing defense in the country. And they're going to force Clifford. I mean, he's the only way that, that Penn State's going to have any shot in this game. He's going to have to have the cape on and be Superman. And I don't know that he can do it. Um, you talked a minute ago about teams going in the opposite direction. I think Michigan in this game, if this is neutral side or certainly at home, I think this is a much different spread. I think this is purely because they've got to go to Happy Valley and it's a, a 11 a.m. kick or a noon kick there. But I like Michigan in this game. And unless Clifford comes out and has made some real strides getting back to getting healthy, I, I don't really particularly see seeing this one being nearly as close as, as the spread is right now. The one thing you said I disagree with is that Clifford is their whole offense because John Dotson's the best player on this team. Well, it's just right. when they, when <laughs> they don't have a quarterback. 
it doesn't matter. Yeah, like John Dotson's a special yeah, dude. He's and unbelievable. It, it's sad to see him just being wasted away. Uh, Drake London, the same way at USC. It's like the best receivers right now. Like they're like, oh god, just please let me get drafted to somewhere with a decent quarterback. Right. Please, let me please, get out of please. here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Sounds like we've got some agreement on that one. Let's look at the Big Twelve matchup: Oklahoma minus five and a half at Baylor. What do you think of this one? Yeah, Baylor. Um, I think the win over Texas can that that look it looks worse and worse. Anybody that beats Texas, unfortunately, the win doesn't really carry much weight anymore. Um, this is the type of game that Oklahoma late in the year. Now that they've they've made the quarterback change, they're starting to get right on offense. Um, I think this is the type of game that you actually see OU go in and bully a team like Baylor around that maybe has been a nice story throughout the year. But you look back at their schedule to this point in the season, I don't think they've played, certainly haven't played an offense like Oklahoma's, uh, who's starting to get right since the quarterback change. Also, I don't trust Bohannon at quarterback. Uh, their pass offense is not very good. It's in the bottom half of the country. And I think that's Oklahoma's going to try and force them to be one-dimensional. As long as OU doesn't give them the ball, that's been, you know, at certain points in the season, their Achilles heel where they give you opportunities with short fields and keep people in the game. Uh, but if there's a side on this I like, I think it'd be OU. I, I'm with you on this one too. I think the bye week couldn't have come at a better time for OU. Uh, yep. they, they got punished in that first college football poll, poll for really just playing with fire too often uh, and really against Kansas. I think that was kind of the the straw that broke the back with the committee on them. It's like, dude, you guys should have punished this Kansas team. You it, That was a troublesome – it was a troublesome look, let's face it. But OU, like, as, it's all, as it was always going to be, controls their destiny and it, they're about to finish the season with the second third and fourth place teams in the big 12 the wins that are going to push them up in the in the rankings especially given they're going to play one of them twice uh probably for the big 12 title assuming they keep winning and it, w- when we talk about the teams that have played with fire and like probably should have more losses on their record than they do y- you have to put baylor in that group too like baylor was being smashed by texas before another Sarkeesian meltdown like they they were they were getting crushed by that team and then you face a team with a a fired head coach starting a true freshman quarterback in his first career start and he throws for 461 yards on you at 71 percent completion his QBR was 90.4 Oh, yeah, and he ran for 70 yards. Oh, yeah, and he accounted for three touchdowns. Now you've got to face Caleb Williams with a week of rest coming off a six-touchdown performance against Texas Tech, uh, the best the best game of his career. Like, oh, I'm with you. OU isn't as good as their record says they are. Like, I mean, I don't think OU's the fourth-best team in the country. I, I don't. But I think that they are better than everybody in the Big 12 by a, by a good site, and I think that they, this is a good opportunity for them to say, look, since Caleb Williams took over, we are undeniably better, and I think they can go out and make a statement against this Baylor team. I'm jumping all the way back to playoff talk, but I'm just sitting here thinking through again. OU is going to win out and be the four spot, and I mean, it'd be interesting to go back and look and see what the biggest spread in a a college football playoff game is because it might be this one. If Georgia plays OU in the first round of the, of the playoffs, I bet McKenzie could find that information for us. I mean, they're going to, anyway, I'm off track, but um, OU is going to force Baylor to throw the football because Baylor can run the ball pretty effectively. I mean, it's a, that's the side that when they're moving the ball effectively and they're getting their, their chunk yardage, it usually comes on the ground. OU is going to do everything they can to limit that and make Bohannon beat them through the air, and that's not a side that I trust. And, uh, yeah, if there was a play in this, I I like OU. All right, let's get to our best bets. Let's dive right in. Mackenzie, holler at me when you get that information. We'll we'll shut it down and and hear that that information because I'm curious on it too. 
last week I went two and two. Uh, my three-star play hit and my one-star play hit. No, my two-star was Louisiana, and they they suck. Uh, I I hope they make the the Sun Belt championship game, and I, I hope it, you know what whatever number I get with Appalachian State, I'll take. Uh, and then I missed on the the Navy Notre Dame over. N- Notre Dame's defense played better than I thought it would, and I got to give them credit. But fading Florida International, fading. Southern Miss. These are these are tried and true, my friend. Tried and true. Uh, you had a better week than me. Even you go three and one. What do you? What you? Uh, what you hit on? What you miss on? Yeah, I. Uh, it was another good week. Um, my my one that I uh, missed on was Clemson Louisville. My one star. Um, oh, which anybody watching that game? I mean, Louisville just did everything in their power to give that game away. Uh, and even had a chance there at the end to come back and win it. But, um, yeah, UTSA, uh, that was one that – the only thing more ridiculous than the game itself was what was going on in the parking lot. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go on a little deep dive of, uh, of the of the Utah tailgating scene. Um, but that was a good one. Uh, Mississippi State at Arkansas. Mississippi State loses, uh, but inside that five. And then uh, under in Tulsa, Cincinnati. Um, so not a bad week uh, moving into week 11. All right, let's get, let's get into it then. You, I'll let you, I'll let you have the honors this time. You, you won the week. Go, go ahead and go first, my man. What's your, uh, your three star? Yeah, this one was a head scratcher to me because I know they, they just blew it last week against army, but I think this uh, on paper, it's, I guess it's purely because they're going on the road to Colorado state, but I think air force is far and away the better team in this matchup. Um, just certainly better coached. Certainly better coached. Uh, and this is the type of I, we I played against some of the service academies on teams that weren't very good. This is the worst type of team to have to play when you're three and six. You'd have playing against an option team for your big guys. It's just a disaster. They get hit in the knees all game. You're you're playing against service academy kids who never stop playing hard. I don't think Colorado State. I would be surprised if they come out firing. And even if they did, I think. It, Air Force is just the better team. So I, I really like Air Force minus two and a half against Colorado State. I, I don't hate that either. And when you really think about – like Colorado State's won more games, I think, than people thought they were going to this year. One of those games was at New Mexico, which – I mean, let's face it, New Mexico just lost to UNLV. UNLV won their first game in like, oh, like two calendar years, basically. Uh, and they beat San Jose State w- without Starkle. Like they're they're frauds. They're they're not good. They're not. And I say frauds, and I'm talking about a three and six team. Like this is a really bad team. And you mentioned okay, you got to go to Colorado State, but like what team? Do you really think Colorado State's going to be more conditioned than Air Force? It's not like Air like Air Force is going to go. Oh, elevation. What do we do? Like those guys aren't going to get tired. No, they're not going to get more t- any more tired than Colorado State will. Like I, I'm with you on this pick. I, I like that quite a bit. Uh, this is a this is a good a good spot for Air Force, and I think really coming off the Army loss gives you some some value here. I, I think that Air Force is a legit good team, probably better than their six and three record says. You know they they lost to San Diego State in a close game, lose to Army in a close game. Colorado State's probably worse than their three and six record says. So um, I, I I like that one quite a bit. I will every week I try to find the teams that have quit and just fade them. And it worked in both instances last week with Southern Miss and Florida International. Unfortunately, the Southern Miss spread is 33, so it's too rich for my blood. But Middle Tennessee giving 10 to Florida International feels pretty safe here. FIU's not played anyone to single digits since late September. That's the last time they lost a game by single digits. And the five games since that loss, they've they've lost by an average of 25 points per game. And Middle Tennessee's – listen, again, they're nothing to write home about. They're coming off a thumping against Western Kentucky. They got smashed in that game. But they've run it up on the bad teams. They beat UConn by 31. They beat the aforementioned Southern Miss by 25. And those were the two games prior to that Western Kentucky game. So we're not talking like ancient history. Middle Tennessee State is a middle-of-the-road team. 
and when they play one of these dogs, one of these donkeys, they go out there and, and they smash them. And I think Middle Tennessee State, again, it's kind of a – at this point of the season, you really start to know what team's motivations are, like a, their bowl aspirations. And Middle Tennessee sitting at four and five right now. They need two wins for bowl eligibility. This one would categorize as must win if that's going to happen. So if you want to get a bowl game, you got to go out there and you got to put on a show. Uh, Middle Tennessee minus 10 hosting Florida International is going to be my three star this week. Yeah, I like that for the the, the side that you talked about with FIU. I mean, we, I, I faded them twice on here. Um, I think it's just reading some of following a lot of Conference USA reading how much it's weighing on them that their administration and school is, is really not doing anything with all the conference realignment that's shuffling around that Butch Davis is the one that gives the first public comment after a blowout loss about conference realignment, um, a really bad look. And if you're a kid on that team, especially in this day and age, the transfer portal, it, I got to imagine there's a decent amount of that locker room that's looking around right now. So, um, no, no argument from me on that one. Um, I am going with a team that we touched on for my, my uh, two-star play, a team that we just touched on a second ago, upsetting Baylor. TCU going to Oklahoma State at, at plus 13, I think is just too much for me. And a big reason why is Oklahoma State just isn't very good on offense. And I think they win this game. I think they may even win this game by, by 9 or 10. But throughout the season – they do not traditionally pull away from people. If you go back and look at, with the exception of Kansas, for the most part, they don't, it's not really in their DNA. They've got a number of, of touchdown, one-score games on their schedule, and the teams that they pulled away from, frankly, aren't very good. I think TCU, you talk about being motivated, the way that things played out with Gary Patterson and how they came out against Oklahoma State, that showed me a lot. And they're also at four and five. They need to get two out of their last three to get to bowl eligibility. And this is one that could they go play spoiler? I don't think so. I, I don't think they go to Stillwater and win. But I definitely don't see this as almost a, a two touchdown game. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, on the college football playoff announcement today, they called uh, Oklahoma State Big 12 Iowa. <laughs> yeah. teams that all defense no it's offense on. it sounds about right which is so it's so weird to think about Oklahoma State like historically Gundy his teams have just been so good on offense that we've never considered them to be like bad defensive or bad offensive teams and, and now it's like this is a certainly a defense first squad which is is very different for them all right, my two-star, I'm going to go – I'm, I'm going to fade a team that won us money last week. I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic minus 6.5 at Old Dominion. And this is a buy-low, sell-high spot here. And Florida Atlantic coming off a drubbing at the hands of Marshall. Marshall, by the way, who I, I played their team total over 28.5. And, and, of course, it lands on 28. But they were first in goal at like the eight-yard line. And had a personal foul, backed them up to the 23. They missed a field goal. Just gross. Really gross way to lose a bet. Uh, and But Florida Atlantic, I mean, like I said, they they held them under the team total. They did a decent job holding down Grant Wells, particularly in the red zone. And, of course, Old Dominion was on the positive side of the Florida International game that we just discussed. So uh, Florida Atlantic's an easy read. All of their losses have come against – the best competition they faced. They they lost at Florida, they lost at Air Force, they lost at UAB, and they lost last week to Marshall. Old Dominion, despite winning two straight games against Florida International and Louisiana Tech, the dredges of Conference USA, which is basically the dredges of college football conferences, it, they're still awful. They haven't beat a team with a pulse all year. I don't think they start this weekend. Uh, I'm going to go Florida Atlantic minus six and a half at Old Dominion. As a former player in Conference USA, I love how much I love Sorry. how much time we spend. <laughs> it's great because we obviously hit all the highlights of big hirings and firings in the college football playoff. And then we then we get into the slums of Conference USA for our picks. It's uh I actually really enjoy it. There's um, gold there's gold in them hills, I tell you. That's right. That and the Mac, which I'm uh, unfortunately watching right now on Eastern Michigan's gray turf <laughs> as we record this. Um my one star is a team that I know you love. Uh, I'm taking the Rainbow Warriors, Hawaii, 
on the road going to Vegas. UNLV got their first win of the season, and you may say, well, okay, now they're you know they're off the schneid. I think it actually goes in the opposite direction, where if there, if anything, they lose focus. Now they've got their one, uh, and I also just I think this is the better team. I think Hawaii. If the, certainly if this was on the island, I would be all over them, kind of no matter what the number is. But I think this is the better team. UNLV struggles in in basically all facets of the game. I watched their game against Nevada that they had a couple late scores. That game really should have been closer, to like fifty-one to seven. Um, it's just not a very good football team. So I, I like Hawaii uh, minus two and a half at ULB. Yep. This was actually, uh, this was going to be my one star play. Uh, and you, you sent yours in first. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to use the same one he used. So we'll, because uh, pe- people would be bored. They'd say, what? You guys buy the same play? <laughs> yeah, I know how you guys are. So, and then, and then if we both took it, you know what would happen? It would lose, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so I, I'll go a, a different. I'll go a different route uh, for my. Actually, before I do that, let's let's bring McKenzie on with that information. McKenzie, you want to uh, f- fill us in on the those the biggest spreads in college football playoff history? Sure. Alabama last year minus nineteen versus Notre Dame, by far the biggest spread in CFB playoff history. The second, you might guess, also Alabama, but that was in twenty nineteen minus fourteen and a half versus Oklahoma. Uh, I, I could give you what my number would be. And it's it's probably around twelve, um, yeah. I, it's, it's, I mean, I've got Oklahoma as as the fifth best team right now, so yeah, it's that's it's probably about twelve. I, do you want to you want my numbers on uh, on Georgia versus Cincinnati if they were to get in? I mean, do we want to venture a guess at, at Georgia OU? Uh, how, how about? Georgia minus eighteen. Uh, would that would that be a fun watch for you? It's less than I would have thought, actually. That tells you how great that Alabama team was last year. I don't know. <laughs> well, it was last year. I, I mean, I don't know, but it was the it was the year when we were like, we only need three teams in the playoffs this year. Like, just let Alabama have a bye, and they'll just they'll play the winner of Ohio State Clemson, and and that's really what it. I mean, it was essentially a bye for for Alabama. We were like. Uh, I guess we got to have a fourth team, which when you when you're like forcing a fourth team, that's the best time to announce we're expanding the playoffs. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. All right, let's go to uh, to my one star play: South Carolina plus one at Mizzou, and I'm just not going to give this Missouri team any credit until they start showing that they can play some defense. They and they, you know what they did for about a quarter against Georgia. They, they're like, you know what? We're, we're coming out to play some ball. They actually had a lead on Georgia, 3 nothing, if I'm not mistaken. And then they just they laid down and took it. And, they, and really, they just took it until about the final minute of the game when they tried four times to punch it in against Georgia, which, by the way, that's the most entertaining thing about watching Georgia games is when teams get inside the five-yard line, them trying desperately to, to score a touchdown, like they want to be the team that scores a touchdown. Yeah, four tries for for Missouri, none. Four tries at the goal line, nope, no thanks, friends. Uh, and I, I just, I, I'll, I'll say this about South Carolina. We talked a little bit earlier about their win over Florida, which is it's one of the shocking things that's happened this season. But it proved that their defense is at least capable, and particularly capable against mobile quarterbacks. And what I'm hearing now, Mizzou – Maybe sticking with the quarterback combo they used against Georgia because Brady Cook and Tyler May could give the, it gives them an, an added dimension to their offense. They, they can run the ball a little bit with their quarterback and probably do it with even more success against anyone not called Georgia. That would probably be very helpful. I, I think defense is is the is where the difference in this game lies. Missouri dead last in yards and scoring defense in the SEC. And a win here gets South Carolina to bowl eligibility, something they haven't been since 2018 in Shane Beamer's first season. You don't think that's motivation? You don't think you don't think they want to be the team that gets you know back to a bowl with Shane? Of course they do. This is a big game, so I'll take South Carolina plus one for my uh, my one star. Yeah, going back and looking for South Carolina. I mean, they've got some not so great losses on here, but the the close loss to Kentucky early in the year. Doesn't look as bad as the season has gone along, although Kentucky's slid the last couple. Uh, but the win over Florida, obviously huge. If they get this one, they, they probably lose 
at home to Auburn. Maybe not, but they probably lose that game. And then I think they've got a real chance at, at beating Clemson. They get them at home as well. There's a chance this is a 7-4 and four team. Um, so I, I like that, especially for the reasons you talked about with Missouri's defense. Um, can, I, can I tell you something about Clemson? Yes. I almost gave 40.5 points with Clemson this week. Like, I'm still actually thinking Yeesh. about it. Really? I mean, they're playing UConn. Like, if, it's it, true. It, is UConn going to score a point? That's the question. Probably not. So, and, and and if there was ever a time for Clemson to get your get your studs, get, get them some numbers, right? It would be this one. I mean, it, like if I said, "Hey, you've got to play Clemson minus forty and a half, or UConn plus forty and a half." Which side are you playing? Yeah, that's right. I would take Clemson. You're right. I, I mean, it's this. If is, you made me, yeah, this is a game where they can finally go out and bully someone, and you know, Dabo's not. He's not above it. He'll go out there and try to embarrass those guys. All right, what's your uh, what's your total this week? Yeah, I'm going back to our our favorite conference. I'm going back to Conference USA. Um, I like the over it for with UAB and Marshall at 55. It's it's two competent offenses, and if you get that in Conference USA, those teams tend to get into shootouts. Uh, I UAB the past couple weeks giving up 24 or yes, yeah, it's right giving up 24 to Rice, my Rice Owls uh, in a game that. They ended up losing, or excuse me, gave up 30 in a game that they lost to the Rice Owls and then gave up 38 to Louisiana Tech. I think going to Marshall, Marshall will get theirs, but UAB's competent enough on offense. I think they score as well. And Marshall, first place in Conference USA East, they're going to continue to need to, to win. And in order to do that against UAB, this is not a game where they can just run out to a lead and sit on the ball. UAB is going to get theirs. I, I see this being something with a six in front of it at a minimum. Um, but also in Conference USA, notorious for having games get blown open in conference play where it, the it's a, you know a shootout and, and both teams are in the 40s. So um, I like the over in this game at 55. Don't disagree with it. Uh, UAB is good on defense, but I, I, I do think this is a good spot for some points to be scored here. Uh, I'm going with the game we talked about earlier, A&M Ole Miss under 55 and a half. And we've seen the Ole Miss offense kind of sputter, to, at least compared to what we saw early in the season. Not that they're bad now, but 20 points against Auburn and 27 against Liberty. It's a far cry from the almost 48 points a game they were averaging in their first four wins this year. So, And I think some of that, actually probably a lot of that, can be attributed to Matt Corral's health. He's clearly not 100% and hasn't been for a while. And, and it comes at a time when A&M is playing elite defensive football. They've allowed 10 points per game over their last three. They held Auburn to just a field goal last week. Like they, This is big boy defense that they're playing right now. And one thing that A&M's done, like, probably because they realize Calzada sucks, they've gone to a, a power run ball control offense, and they found that running game. They're going to lean on it. Ole Miss runs high tempo, but they're running the football a lot, and I don't think they're going to have a lot of success throwing the football against this Texas A&M team. So the, the clock should be moving. I've got this game projected at 52. Uh, so under 55.5 for me is going to be my uh, my total for the week on Texas A&M and Ole Miss. Yeah, I don't have – we talked about that one a little bit earlier. I said I like the under in that one as well. Um, you know, every now and then in college football, we get at quarterbacks – at the quarterback position specifically, I'm just sitting here thinking about Calzada – and him with that one performance against Alabama, but then everything else being really underwhelming. It would not altogether shock me if we look up at the end of his career and he ends up becoming a, a pretty good player. I mean, he's not going to be a Justin Fields um, or, or a, you know any one of these guys, that Trevor Lawrence. He doesn't have that in him. But his arm talent is off the charts. He's got a, an absolute cannon. If they can figure out how to get him, hone in any sort of accuracy – in an in, in inter, intermediate, your 10 to 25-yard range, I think he actually has a pretty high ceiling. Um, I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm just sitting here thinking about as we talk about their struggles on offense. If Jimbo can wrap his arms around him, would not totally shock me if by the end of his time at A&M, he's a, a, one of their better quarterbacks they've had. All right, there you have it. That is week 11 of the college football dream preview Taylor, appreciate the time as always. Let's keep getting these winners in. Mackenzie, thank you back in the uh, back in the booth, and we will see you guys next week. All right, guys, I appreciate it.